You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that out. So that was a terrible decision to stay up and watch part of that debate. Every year, it's, it's no different than the preseason. I build it up in my head as this thing that's going to be awesome, and it's never awesome. It's not even interesting. And, and as I was waiting for my coffee to brew, I think I figured out why. The presidential debates would be kind of like if you got, who's the best franchise of all time, the Bears and the Packers? And then you get some extreme stat nerds that come up with a bunch of stats that I've never heard of. And it's like the Packer guy's like, are you out of your mind? The Packers lead the entire NFL in per year DBLOG. And the Bears guy's like, no, that's ridiculous. They don't, you're lying. And in fact, the Bears lead everything in GLOBILIBIDIM, squared to the fourth power. And I'm just sitting there like, wow. Is that true? Because that's crazy. Wow, congratulations on that. And then the other guy's like, no, it's not true. I'm like, oh, that sucks. And he's like, in fact, this is the truth. And I'm like, wow, I didn't, I never heard that before. Is that true? And he's like, no, that's not true. Okay. And then there's bickering about, you know, like nuance about time. He had two minutes and four seconds. I get another turn, you know. They're like manipulative children. Before I was a parent, I was like, man, my kids are never going to do that kind of stuff to me. I'm just going to be like, you know. These are the rules, and you follow it, or you're getting drop kicked. It's simple. Like, dude, anybody could be a parent. But they're masters at, like, finding the nuance. I don't know how many times I've told my three-year-old daughter, if you do that again, and then nothing happens. You know why? Because she kind of did it in a way, either I didn't see it, or I'm not sure, or maybe it was, like, a playful thing. Like, just, just toe the line masters. So, I'm tired, and I wish I wasn't, because it, like, nothing interesting happened. At the end of the day, it ends up just being kind of like NASCAR. You just want to see a crash, which I know isn't very nice to say, but let's be honest, that's that's it, right? I mean, not like a deadly one, like a little spin-out, like, oh, got him. And that doesn't happen. I think somebody said shut up once, and it was like, ha, 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 he said a naughty word. And then I went to bed, and that was, that was just, I don't know. I don't think I'm watching the other ones. Anyways, and at the end of the day, we all know who we're voting for, so it doesn't matter. It's just for fun, and it's not even fun, so... Today on the Packernet Podcast, I want to do two things, and being slightly short on time because I thought my alarm was a suggestion this morning. Literally, I I didn't, it was kind of funny actually. But the goals for the day, I've got a couple questions, and I want to look at the rest of the NFC North and see kind of how things are shaping up. Possibly our other opponents, I don't really know, it's just kind of a general format. A couple other thoughts though that popped up. Number one, this whole competition I came up with to win a hoodie not talking about the Iron Jock player of the game. That's going fine. The other one, where you send me some kind of a meme or a video and I post it in the Facebook page. Remember that? Remember when I said those words? Nobody's doing that. Half the people are sharing it in the group, which doesn't do any good. Half the people are posting it directly to the page, which I don't know if you noticed when you do that. It's not in the page. I can't even find it anywhere. It goes into some special hidden closet that nobody can see. So that doesn't do any good. So... We're going to have to reset, and I think I'm just going to like record a video on what it is I'm trying to tell you to do. I feel like it's pretty straightforward. You have to physically send it to me. Don't post it anywhere. You don't do it. I do it. 
I don't know why there's like a big aversion to that. Like, no, I got this. No, you don't got this, man. I have to do it. So there's a lot of great content being posted in certain places, and it's not serving the purpose I wanted it to serve. And it's just like, oh my goodness, you guys, you're killing me. So I think we had three people that sent me something. Three. So I think maybe one of them's going to get a hoodie. I don't know. I, I don't really want to because it's only three, but at the same time, one of them's kind of killing it. So I don't know. But I think I'm going to post a video and put it in the group with like links and stuff to be very specific on what it is I need. And we'll try this again next week because that was a massive failure. And clearly it's my fault because, again, three people out of a lot of people are actually doing what I was hoping they would do. So we'll, we'll say that's my fault and we'll, we'll run it back next week. Um, I think I'm also going to have to do a video tutorial on how to do my CBS Pick'em Pool because there's a lot of confusion on that. Like, they understand how to pick teams, but the whole ranking thing, and I know I explained it on the podcast, but I'm not doing it again. Um, thirdly, I had a thought in regard to, I still have some people saying that episode from Monday doesn't exist, and I can tell because there's actually a dip in numbers. In other words, yesterday's podcast had more downloads than two days ago, which was Victory Monday, which always has the highest numbers. Always. So that's really upsetting. The biggest day of the week. I only get like 16 of these a year, 13, 12, however many wins we're going to get in a year. And uh, one of them, iTunes, which gets like 50% of my downloads, decided, eh, forget that guy. He's not getting his thing published. If you haven't noticed over the years, I'm not a big fan of Apple or iTunes. I don't use any of their stuff. I don't like interacting with any of their stuff. And I get a bunch of complaints. But yet everybody listens on the Apple iTunes thing. So I have to deal with it. The thought I had, because I'm not exactly sure, it dawned on me, a lot of people still listen to a podcast called Custom Green Bay Packers Talk Radio Podcast. Now, I don't think this is the issue. But when I go to iTunes, I can see the episode sitting there. So I'm not sure what people are seeing or not seeing if it's something in the app or what but something to keep in mind custom green bay packers talk radio podcast is not my podcast that's not anybody's podcast it's just a podcast that plays a bunch of packers podcasts and i happen to be one of them that's on there and yes it's confusing because it says packernet right on the logo but that is not mine my podcast is called packernet podcast colon daily green bay packers podcast and I put that in there because you want Green Bay and Packers to pop up in the search. Just a thought. If there's any complications with the other podcast thing, I would hate for that to be a hindrance to you getting my podcast. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing to mine, that would be great. It's also going to help me quite a bit in the rankings. Because again, if everybody just listens to the other one, they're going to say that's a really popular podcast and nobody really likes mine because they don't know that you're listening to mine. Also, anybody wanting to leave a positive five-star review, please do it on the Packernet podcast thing. I think that's it as far as little corrections and updates and whatnot. Um, thank yous for the day. Thank you to Chris Nichols. And I've seen this guy's name all over the place on Facebook. And it's one of those where it's like, I don't even know how to say it in my head. And it like my brain gets upset when I say his name in my head. But thank you very much to Ben Sebony. Sounds a lot cleaner when I say it out loud. In my brain, it's all crazy. And uh, thanks to Matt Schroeder, who uh, edited his pledge in the upward direction. Really do appreciate all the uh, massive amount of support these last couple days, weeks. I know the whole stay home and do this thing for a full-time job is kind of a pipe dream, but um, it's not going to stop me from panhandling. Because again, if everybody that just listened yesterday... Actually, that's not true. If everybody that listens on a good day... <laughs> 
just gives $1. And a lot of you guys are giving a lot more than $1. I don't want to act like everybody I'm saying thank you to is giving a dollar. In fact, at this point, I think most people are giving more than a dollar, which is, again, very, very awesome, and I appreciate that. But in general, if everybody that listens on a good day just gives one, just $1 a month, we're literally in that territory of we should possibly consider. When you add in ad revenue and stuff, it kind of gets close to that area. So anyways, I really appreciate that you guys do that. And again, so much reaching out and trying to help me do what it is I want to do. All righty-dighty. What did I say we were doing today? Oh, questions. Let's start there. So question from um, new recent patron Chris Nichols. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Not only do we have the same run defense issues as last year, which is what happens when you don't change anything. Very valid point. But Pettin is killing Z. He's using him as a stand-up nose tackle. Even with Skylark Clark's return, they need more Billy Wynn types. Run through a bunch of them and try to find a little depth off the street. I'm not asking for snacks. So first of all, I want to thank you very much for your question because it it really led me to the point where I said, I think what I'm going to do is try to create a draft guide, which I know I'm way over my head on a million different things, but I have a really cool concept for a draft guide. Maybe that's something I can recruit somebody's help for because it's a lot of legwork type stuff. And then, you know, obviously there'd be some financial incentive. I'll just I'll just throw that little nugget out there and, you know, because I don't think it's possible I can do it by myself. But anyways, all very good points. The first thing I want to do before I answer any of those questions is kind of verify or get the exact concept. Because a lot of times what you and I do, and I would agree that every time I see him, he's standing up over the middle, is ask the question, is that really all that different than what he did last year? And um, one of the unfortunate things is PFF has 60 billion different designations on position. But I think, in general, what we're talking about is middle of the defense attacking the, the you know, center and guard. Which, to be fair, I think a big part of that, although it failed miserably, which is depressing, at least against the Saints, as I said, was they have two really good tackles and some terrible guards. So we're going to take our best pass rusher, who we can put anywhere, we're going to put him right over the face of some of these terrible guards, and he's going to attack them. Again, it didn't work, which is sad, and maybe we are getting a little too cutesy, but my point in bringing that up is maybe this is just a one-time deal, because the assumption is these guards are never going to be able to stop Zedarius, and so we're going to get cute and put him over in the middle of the defense as opposed to just putting him where he belongs on the outside. Um, With that said, 155 total defensive snaps. Now, a lot of the time what we're talking about, I believe, because he has zero nose tackle designations, um, is when he's playing in the box. The reason being, when you're down on the line, you're a defensive lineman. When you're standing up, I think they're calling you a linebacker or in the box. So 25 of his 155 snaps have been in the box. However, he has also been hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. Uh, We'll call it 23 times. So that's 31% of the time he's either a hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman, and that is either a 3-4 defensive end, like Dean Lowry, or a 4-3 defensive tackle or, as I said, an inside linebacker. So 31% of the time, he's not on the edge. Now, the other two designations is stand-up outside linebacker or hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, like firing off the edge. Either way, edge rusher, right? So that is to say uh, 69% of the time, don't say it, he is firing off the edge. Now, compared to 2019, um, 8% of the time he was a uh, you know inside the box, and about 80% of the time he was coming off the edge. So it is It is a lot more. Again, it may just be a game-by-game kind of situation, even if we just look, for example, these box designations. He had a big stretch between week 14 and week 17 
but you can see it goes up and down, right? Week Starting at week 14, 11 snaps, 21 snaps, 3 snaps, 13 snaps. So I do think it's a game-by-game game thing, and that'll go up and down. But anyways, to your point that um, we're spending too much time being cute and we need to start getting some big, you know, actual run-stuffing defensive tackles, I think the biggest problem, and this may just be a problem with Petten in general, he doesn't want it. I mean, we do have some guys. We have Win. I think Lancaster technically is that kind of a guy. So he has at least designated one of the three defensive linemen when we're using a 3-4, two and a 4-3, is a run defender. And the benefit of a guy like Kenny Clark, who is both really good against the run as well as a pass rusher, is depending on who you put next to him. If you put Dean Lowry there, although Dean Lowry isn't doing much, but at, at one point he was considered more of a, a longer pass rushing type of defensive lineman, you would have two pass rushers and a run defender when you have two guys there. And if you have three and one of them is a good run defender, one of them is Kenny Clark and one of them is a pass rusher, you have essentially two of each with Kenny going, you know, doing both and Dean being the pass rusher, Lancaster being the run defender. The, the bigger issue, though, is that Dean isn't good at anything. Lancaster isn't good at anything. I mean, I'm overgeneralizing. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're, they're not like dominant at that one thing. I either want a guy that can do both things at least fairly well or if you can't do one thing at all, you got to be real good at it. So if you if you can't stop the run, you better be a really good pass rusher. If you're not, you're not serving your purpose. And I would agree with what you're saying. I would rather just get some 340-pound guy who's really just very good at clogging things up. He's not going to get to the pass rusher, but when was the last time we saw Dean Lowry with a sack? What What's the upside of a Dean Lowry over just getting some big boy that doesn't get moved and eats up double teams? Three sacks a year? I'm fine with that. <laughs> I am. If it means 500 less rushing yards, which let's be honest, teams can get that in about two games against this defense. I don't disagree, but it's, and this is, I, I started a little project when I had that, you know, um, idea for the draft guide that I, what I would want to do, early concept, but it's obviously Packers focused and it's really just highlighting the individual positions and possibly the players and rather than just listing defensive linemen, it's a matter of, no, what, what is your assignment? In other words, who would you be replacing? If we want to replace Dean Lowry, here are the guys. I think one of the biggest issues I immediately ran into, though, was there's a lot of guys that just don't fit a Mike Pettin defense because he wants guys that just attack all the time, which is cool, right? We loved that when we first heard the concept. And it has its benefits, right? If they're just attacking into the backfield... That's cool, but again, you get these defend these offensive linemen that know how to manipulate you. They're going to let this guy into the backfield. We're going to, you know, as you get into the backfield, we're just going to smack you in the side of the head and knock you over. And we got guys that are just fumbling and bumbling. In contrast to that, you had Dom Capers, who really was a lot more conservative. He wanted his guys to, you know, sort of stand their ground and not allow guys to run. They didn't get much penetration. Again, you get guys like Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels who can do that kind of stuff. But they were much better at, at also standing their ground and not letting anybody push him around. So they just did a good job of the Packers pass rush struggled a lot for many years. But if there was one thing Dom Capers did at the later years of his defense that stood out, it was stopping the run. And that's why we always saw great first down defense, great second down defense. And then when it was third and long and they decided to sit back and pass, there was no pass rush. And the corners were terrible, so the guy just sat there for eight seconds until somebody came over and he threw a 40-yard pass on third and ten. So, I, I, look, it's it's hard to be a defensive coordinator to figure out how to do all of these things. But at the same time, how good would a Dom Capers defense be if he had pass rushers like we have? Kenny and Zadarius and Rashawn and maybe Preston if he still has something left, I don't know. Because the benefit is, 
Think about it. It's it's perfect. You, if you can stop them on first down and second down, you get them in third and long, that's exactly what this defense needs. But we're not doing that anymore. And I don't think it's because we physically can't. Because not much is different. Tell me Mike Daniels made all that difference? I don't think so. I mean, Mike Daniels was great. But the fact of the matter is, he was our defensive coordinator in 2017. Our, our defensive line at that time was Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, and Mike Daniels. Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark were our defensive linemen then. And we did a better job stopping the run, at least on basic first and second downs. So I, I, I don't think it comes down to being incapable. It's, 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 I think it, Mike Pettin has a preference. His style of defense is to be much more aggressive, much more attacking. And um, being really good against the run a lot of times means kind of hanging back and making sure you're not getting pushed off your spot. So, I, you know, even with that, if okay, so we go get a, a, a bigger guy, is, is he going to be able to actually do that job? Or is, is Mike Pettin's style of defense where you attack a gap? I don't know. I, just, I, I don't know. And it's not even that I don't think Dom Capers is capable. I just think he's, he doesn't want to change his style of defense because that's not how he plays defense. He's just going to ask his guys, I want you to do what I say. This is how I play defense, and I don't know if it's going to work. I, I, I think we, we may just be in Mike McCarthy territory where it's like he can try to add some wrinkles to his style of offense, but at the end of the day, his style of offense just isn't working. It's just not. Maybe if he got all his, his talent back, and, and again, we'll see what he does in Dallas. I don't know if he completely revamped his offense. He needed to. Um, it may just be that the old Rex Ryan... You know, Mike Pettin, that style of defense just isn't really doing it anymore. I mean, that's the reason. Again, offenses evolved to beat the modern-day dominant defenses. Rex Ryan had his day. Mike Pettin had his day. And I think you've got the Andy Reeds and the Kyle Shanahans and the Matt LaFleurs and the Sean McVays that have really just overcome that style of defense. And I think modern defenses just operate differently. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But it makes sense because I know that's what the constant evolution is. And so when we look to replicate what really good defenses are doing, but remember the Legion of Boom guy is the head coach in Atlanta, and that whole thing is completely falling apart. The question is, similar to what we did on offense, we went out and got a modern-minded head coach and said, I want you to implement that style of offense here in Green Bay and look how well it's working. We need to ask the question, what is it? that modern defenses are doing, dominant defenses are doing. Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because, again, a lot of these teams don't have elite players. I would even look at uh, at the Chiefs as an example. Because, again, they've got terrible players, but their defense is not that bad. Why? What are these guys doing? What are they asking their players to do? What is this style of defense? It's, it's not just about being a brilliant mind. I've said all along, Dom Capers is a brilliant defensive mind. Mike McCarthy is a brilliant offensive mind. It's not about that. Mike Pettin is a is a is a mastermind. He's a genius. He's a he's an artist. But at the end of the day, there's 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 just a different way of doing things. And either you do what Andy Reid did, where you adapt your offense or create a new offense that is designed to attack modern defenses, and he he did a fantastic job of reinventing himself and his offenses, or you die out. And I genuinely think Mike Pettin is is running that, you know, twenty fourteen Buffalo Bills or New York Jets style of defense, and it just isn't really working as much. Again, I don't think there's an excuse. I don't think, well, we don't have the players. I think that's, yeah, if we, if we had elite players across the board, I could be the defensive coordinator and make it work. But at the end of the day, that's not what great defensive-minded people do or offensive-minded people do at that at that rate. Right? You've got elite talent everywhere that underperforms and is good instead of being great. You've got other defenses that have no talent or or that overperform based on their talent, which is a really talented 
defensive mind, which is where I'm putting, you know, guys like, uh, who, who is that? He's a, he just recently went over there too. Steve Spagnolo, and maybe it, maybe it's a bad example. Maybe the Chiefs' defense really is kind of putrid, but but they seem to do enough. Maybe it is just the offense. I, I but you get what I'm saying, right? Forget Spagnolo, Fangio. Then I you know I don't know. Maybe I'm off base on this. It just it just seems somewhat unacceptable to have as much talent as we do and to not be able to do basic things like stop the run, or even things like tackle or whatever. I you know I don't know. Zimmer seemed to make it work. Is it just because he had elite pieces and he's actually not that good of a defensive coordinator? I don't know. But this is what the coaches need to figure out. This is what guys like Brian Gutekunst need to know. They need to figure out. He needs to get with you know Matt LaFleur possibly. If you even want his input, get, get Murphy involved. He seems to be pretty good at this stuff. He's the reason we have half the guys we have. And they need to develop a plan similar to the one they, they developed when they brought Matt LaFleur in. And I, you know, I, I mean, I, it, maybe it's unfair to put Petten out, but I'm just... As I've said a thousand times now, it's really unacceptable, and we can we can nitpick about yeah, let's get a, a big boy in the middle, and that'll fix everything. I just don't think so, man. Christian Kirksey's having the worst year he's ever had. Zadarius is off to a terrible start. Um, Preston Smith has been mostly a ghost this entire. time. I mean, basically everybody not named Jair has been kind of awful. Again, we'll we'll see where it goes. If if things pick up, obviously the defenses are all kind of behind, but it's it's not new though. Is the problem right? Last year this was an issue. There was a lot of inconsistency. There were there were real big playmakers making plays, but overall, I don't know that the defense was was a dominant defense. The inconsistencies were a real problem. The run defense was always kind of bad. I mean, the the, the defense last year was kind of similar to what it is la- this year, just to a much higher degree. I mean, last year, if it was third and long, somebody was getting to the quarterback. This year, not as much, but there's still a chance, right? Every single game so far, somebody's come up with a big play, a safety a pick, a pick six, a, a strip fumble recovery. So I, I guess I guess that's where I'm at, and, and I agree with the general sentiment that we need to do something different because it's not working. And I also agree that it wouldn't, I mean, we're, we're one of the few teams that just refuses to get bigger kind of guys. I mean, again, I, I always thought it was weird that our nose tackle is like 313 pounds. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to function, and he can do what, he's, what he needs to do. Right? A nose tackle does these things, and Kenny Clark checks those boxes. But it always just felt like, why don't we just make him like a defensive end? He's a good pass rusher. He's all that stuff. Just get a bigger guy to play nose. Let Kenny be kind of like what Mike Daniels was. He's a dominant run defending, disruptive pass rushing, all these things. But I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. A uh, question from uh, Eamon Moran. He says, purely hypothetical question. But let's just say the only thing you got out of Jordan Love was a chip on Roger's shoulder that created this environment. And he's not saying that's what's happening right now. He's just saying, let's just say for fun, that's all you get. Jordan Love is never going to do anything for this team, but it turns Rodgers into this. Was it worth it? The answer is 100 billion thousand percent yes. Again, neither he nor I are saying that's what's happening here, but the answer to that question is absolutely. Because there's nothing we would have gotten in the draft that, is, that comes even close to Aaron Rodgers performing as he is. And, and the one thing that kind of scares me, to be honest, is if Aaron Rodgers played dips, this team maybe is like one and two. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. That's the only reason we beat the Vikings. The Vikings hung like 34 points on us. I mentioned how last year anybody that scored over 24 points beat the Packers. That only happened three times, though, because the defense really just bailed us out of a lot of games. Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind has turned this team into a powerhouse, but it's a really fragile thing. Because if Rodgers regresses to 2019, and the offense in general kind of regresses, it's like, this is a 
this is kind of a bad football team. So I'll, I'll leave that there and just say, yes, the, the, the absolute best thing. And there's a, there's a lot of good stuff, right? Alan Lazard, you know, is he better or is Rodgers just doing a better, or, you know, I think Matt LaFleur really is the, the Hall of Famer here. He's the one that, that deserves all the credit in the world because his scheme is really opening things up. We're, we're seeing guys open in the middle of the field, which is something I've been harping on for years, similar to how I've been saying, why can't we just stop the run? It seems to be the most basic thing in the world. Why can't we just scheme guys open? Every other team that we play, every time I watch football games, just guys running wide open, the quarterback just dumps it off. The Packers never do that. I don't know why they're the only team in the NFL that can't seem to figure out how to do that. Finally, we got guys doing that. He's just running these opens. Like, why, why is nobody covering? I don't know. It's just a thing, man. You just you make this guy run this way, this way. It just causes some congestion. No big deal. You just you just outsmart the defense, right? The, based on your alignment, if we do this, you can't cover this guy. And we're just going to throw it to him real quick. It's an automatic six. Oh, that, that makes sense, I guess. Congratulations on that. But again, there's no rookie we can plug into this team. I mean, if you just reverse the question, you get any rookie you want, but Aaron Rodgers regresses back to what he was. In fact, the, the conversation about Rodgers is his, con- his decline continues. And we're seeing errant passes and questionable decisions and all kinds of whatever the problem, right? Constant throwaways. I don't want any of the rookies. I don't, because we're not winning anything. Even with Chase Young, which would be the one real big, like, eh, maybe. Or I guess you could say maybe Joe Burrow, if you really like the guy. And like, well, fine, let, let Rodgers decline, and then we get Burrow, and then we whatever. I, the point is, though... Because obviously we weren't drafting high enough to get any of those guys anyways. There's absolutely nobody that is more valuable right now than a red-hot Aaron Rodgers outside of Matt LaFleur just really being a fantastic head coach, which, again, for the billionth time, we are not giving Brian Gutekunst enough credit. There are way too many people trying to trash that man. That's absurd. In fact, the defense isn't even his fault, I don't think. Because, again, he stacked this team with a lot of talent, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. The biggest issue might just be Mike Pettin. But remember, Mike Pettin was not a Matt LaFleur hire. Mike Pettin was brought on along with Joe Philbin. Now, maybe this had more to do with uh, our GM bringing him. I, I don't know. I know Joe Philbin was brought in by Mike McCarthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McCarthy had a lot to do with Mike Pettin. I'm just saying, I don't know that we don't go back to the drunk. I don't know how we got back to Mike Pettin. But the point is, our, our GM has done a great job. When we need talent, we go out and find it. No, his hit rate in the draft isn't 100%. Nobody's is. But my goodness, this team is just... It's a lot better than I ever would have expected a GM could do in a matter of a year or two. And it's, and it's currently underperforming in certain areas. right? Matt LaFleur has put his touch on this. We have the best offensive line in football, period. Not only is it so far, according to ESPN, the best pass-blocking offensive line, they have us as the best run-blocking offensive line. That's a Matt LaFleur thing. And that's with being banged up. That's with Brian Balaga being gone. And Lane Taylor being gone. And Billy Turner playing tackle for some unknown reason. But in terms of underperforming, it's all on the defensive side. And I, listen, as I've said, it's re- it's it's really hard to find just plug-and-play like coaches that just make things better overnight. Matt LaFleur is just one of the really rare things that we need to really start appreciating. But at the end of the day, we, we plugged in Mike Patton and it's not working. And I don't want another Dom Caper situation where we give him another year, another year, another year, and we have five, six, seven years of it's just not working. We gave him the benefit of the doubt in year two. It got a little bit better, but I think it had a lot to do with the talent that was there. And now in year three, we, we see that things are really starting to fall apart. Again, if it rebounds, cool. We'll, we'll move on from the conversation, maybe. But, um, I mean, e- even as, as dominant as the Packers were in some categories, they had the fifth worst run defense, according to PFF. Um, in the NFL last year. I don't know. 
Anyways, I don't want to keep bringing that up every every day, but it, it seems to keep coming up. And it is a concern, right? Because the, if the defense doesn't improve, this is not really a Super Bowl team. Because we've seen this play out before, right? We've seen dominant, 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 dominant offensive play with no defense. It doesn't work. The, the times in which the Packers win the Super Bowl is when that dominant offensive play is intersected by a blip of, hey, this defense is pretty good right? The, the Packers in the 90s with Brett Favre, they had a lot of real good offenses, but it's when Reggie White came on board and, and that defense got humming, that's when we won a Super Bowl. Same with Rodgers, right? There was just this kind of moment where there was all of a sudden, hey, this is a pretty solid defense, right? Charles Woodson. So it's it's got to pick up. Anyways, let's take a real quick break and we'll come back on the other side. I want to, as quickly as I can, kind of run through at least the NFC North. I think that's all we're going to have time for. So once again, I want to remind you about Iron Jock. I am, once again, where this is becoming a morning ritual thrown on my iron jock when I do the podcast, um, because again, it is starting to get chilly out. I don't like that about this time of year. As much as I love fall, you wake up and it's like, oh man, it's it's kind of cold, and then you got to go in the basement. It's like, nah, we're, we're, we're throwing a hoodie on. But I'm telling you, man, it's it's right out of the package, one of the most comfortable things I've ever worn. In fact, I'm, I, I don't have time for this, but I, I want to see right now what the, my next purchase is going to be. So while you're listening, why don't you go with me? We'll look at ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. I think what would make the most sense would be to get like a polo for work. You're looking slicked up, but also you get like the odor protection. I mean, look, I, I smell good, but sometimes when you're working harder, by the end of the day, who knows? Stuff happens. And Iron Jock, again, has that uh, silver ion infusion which is going to kill all the bacteria. We're talking 99.9%, which is causing the odors. It's also wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, which again, this time of year, anti-static is, I'm not even kidding, that is one of the most important things. I've got some really comfortable shirts that I only wear in summer because when wintertime comes, it's literally like popping on my skin because of the static. I don't know if that's just like an up-north thing when the, the air gets so dry because it's freezing cold or what. It's horrible. Especially if you need to get like a haircut and your hair's getting long. It's, um, oh, dude. I don't know if I've ever even seen clothing lines advertised being anti-static, but they need to start if they are because, oh my good, that is the worst thing in the world. And again, Endurotech Plus has all that stuff, but is also water repellent. So you're getting that in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jacket. So if you're doing a lot of outdoor stuff, golfing or running or whatever, it's, it's going to be a really awesome thing to get. You've also got a fleece vest. Which I feel, I wonder if I can get away with like wearing just a normal t-shirt and then throwing the vest on and looking professional enough to pull it off at work. I think I could do that. Probably not the performance pants though. <laughs> but anyways, I am very excited because this is some really awesome material. And again, I've, I've got a couple packages out and I have just way too many to give away. And I'm very excited to start getting some feedback from you guys about the Iron Jock. But make sure you check it out for yourself, ironjock.com. Make sure you follow them on Facebook and Twitter at ironjock. And of course, don't forget about mybookie.ag. Again, it's it's real simple. Assuming you're allowed to do it in your state, assuming you you have the means, I'm not asking you to do anything that you don't want to do. But again, if you got a little bit of play money, if you got it in the budget, you take whatever it is you got, $10, 20 bucks, whatever, you go over to mybookie.ag to sign up for an account. It's just play money. When you drop it down, your $10 or whatever, my bookie, when you use promo code overtime, is going to double your first deposit. So that $10 becomes $20, and you get to have a little bit of extra fun during the game. You can bet it all on the Packers. They've got prop debt bets. they got in-game betting. The worst possible case scenario is that you paid that money to have a little bit of extra fun on Sunday. Best case scenario, you win a bunch of money, right? Which is better than, you know, I don't know, golfing, which is going to cost a lot more money. And when you're done, you're not getting any of that money back. 
Also, when you go golfing, you don't get to send a screen capture to overtime at advertisecast.com to be entered to win $500. By the way, the drawing ends, is it today? Today. I don't know if they're going to give an extension or, or how that's going to work, but today, to, if you've been putting it off, man, I'm tell, there's there's 500 free dollars just sitting out there. There's no reason not to just sign up for an account. Make sure when you sign up for the account, you use promo code overtime. You have to do that. Tell them where you heard this from. There's a little drop down, say podcast. They'll ask you to elaborate, say Packernet podcast, whatever. That's just for my benefit. You don't have to do that to be entered to win. Don't freak out if you didn't for some reason because you hate me. You're still entered. But then just take a little screen capture. Again, if you don't know how to do it, ask somebody, Google it, whatever. They'll show you. There's probably something on your computer, like Snippet. You take a picture, you send that off to overtime at advertisecast, C A S T. Dot com. You will then be entered to win $500. I'm very excited to find out. I'm, I'm going to try to connect with the guys and kind of get an idea how this is all going down. And hopefully one of my listeners, because there are other podcasts on this network, ends up getting $500. I really, really hope that's the case. And you better post it in the group, by the way, if you win $500 from overtime. I want to know about it. I want the people to know about it. But anyways, make sure you go over to mybookie.ag today. Not tomorrow, today. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So not a ton of time, but let's just go through the uh, division rivals here very, very quickly. So I'm, I'll be honest. There is a case to be made for just about every team. We can start with the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, it's really hard to dig your way out of an 0-3 hole, and I don't necessarily expect you know Super Bowl or whatever, but I, I also don't want to pile on them as though they are getting the number one overall pick because I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think there are some redeemable qualities. The, the biggest issue is going to be the defense. But obviously, when Daniil Hunter comes back, that's going to add another dynamic, which is going to help out the defense quite a bit. And there's also a question about what happens when the corners start to get a little bit more experience. The biggest issue is their run defense, which you think the Packers' run D is bad. Oh, my goodness. But really, look, Kirk Cousins always has those games where he is just the worst quarterback in football. But he also really does a fantastic job of bouncing back. I think right now they have the highest-graded receivers in football with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was the number one wide receiver graded in Week 1. And week three really just put an exclamation point on that. They were the highest graded receiving team in week three. 
And Kirk Cousins, again, he has really bad games, but he also has really good games. I think he was one of the highest-graded quarterbacks in Week 1 against the Packers. You got Dalvin Cook, who's a good running back. They're going to get better in pass rush once Daniil gets back. Again, I'm not saying they're an elite team, and I think they're in trouble, and there's a good chance they miss the playoffs. But there's also a good chance that they're going to put up a couple pretty good fights here, and and possibly Week 8 against the Packers. I'm glad we get them early, while they're still floundering. We'll see what happens when when Week 8 rolls around. Um, Hopefully we're still continuing to trend in the right direction, which is to say the defense is slowly waking up, and the offense is not regressing. But I'm, I'm, I still have this, it's one of those things where we've gone too far in this direction, right? There, there are three losses, but again, if, if Aaron Rodgers isn't elite, elite Aaron Rodgers, we lose that game. They put 34 points up against us. We lose that most of the time. They lost to the Tennessee Titans by one point. Again, they put up 30 points. And then the Indianapolis Colts game was just a complete collapse. They scored 11 points. Defense gave up basically 30. It was a disaster on both sides of the ball. But you look at Tennessee and Packers, they could easily be 2-1 and one right now. So... There's a lot of problems, and the fact that their defense is as bad as it is um, is promising because that's one of the strengths of their team, but it is getting better, just their defensive grade. 36.3 against the Packers because the offense ripped them apart. That jumped up to a 50, and that jumped up to a 60. They're continuing to get better. Yannick is getting into his groove. Again, when Daniil Hunter comes back, that's going to make Yannick better on top of having Daniil Hunter back and help their run defense because Daniil's pretty solid against that, and he's basically the only one that is. Do I expect them to beat the Texans? I don't know. That's a tough That's a tough one. they got to go on the road against the Texans, on the road against Seattle. They could fall another two games. But that kind of makes me nervous about when we play them because it kind of you get into trap game territory, similar to us facing the Falcons this week, which we'll talk about um, at a, a different date. So I don't want to get it confused when you know I say I think they're better than this and then they fall the next two games. It's like, oh, I thought they were better. No, dude, I, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Texans. I'm definitely not saying they're beating the Seahawks. they got a tough stretch here. I'm not positive they beat the Falcons because the Falcons have, obviously, despite the fact that they can't stop imploding, they've got more than enough talent on offense to beat anybody basically in the NFL. It's just about can you tighten up for like one week. And then the Packers are tough, and even the Lions, which let's just transition now because that's basically it about the Vikings. I think they recover. It's just to what degree, and do they miss the playoffs? There's a good chance. The Lions, I think, are interesting, and it was funny because I apparently I said like on the podcast or something that they lost to the Cardinals, and they were like, uh, they actually beat the Cardinals? Did you miss that? Usually when people say, did you miss that, it's like, no, I just misspoke, I'm an idiot. I sat there and I thought about it for a minute, I'm like, did I know that the Lions won? I don't think I knew that. I don't know how I missed it, I don't know what my brain did when I looked at it, but I, I feel like I didn't know that. And here's the deal. The reason it makes me nervous is, is kind of twofold. Number one, I've been saying Arizona isn't all that great. They're real scary, and it's hard to stop their quarterback, not because he's good at throwing the ball, because he's not, but what he does with his legs is scary. But I don't think they're all that good. The other thing is, I think the Lions, similarly, I thought, were a better team, and once they get Galladay back, it's a different team. I don't expect them to do much without Galladay, but again, what happens when Okuda gets better? I think Trey Flowers is a good pass rusher. Trufant is better than what he was putting up, at least early on. So even now, their coverage, even in Week 3 when they won, was terrible. But I do expect that to get better. Maybe it won't. Maybe Okuda's just straight up trash. Which, again, we need to keep these things stashed in the back of our mind when we think, well, you know, we should have invested a first-round pick in this. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, they might be good as first-round picks, but they might be Jeffrey Okuda, who's been terrible through three weeks and is getting picked on. Um, But, I mean, just look at their receiving grade. Without Galladay, 65 and a 60, it bumped up to 82 getting Galladay back. Imagine that. One of the best receiving grades in Week 3 goes to the uh, Detroit Lions 
once their number one receiver comes back and this pass-happy offense is right back in rhythm. Now, again, do I think they're going to beat the Saints? No. They can, but I doubt it. But are they going to beat the Jaguars? I think they could. Could they beat the Falcons? I think they could. Could they beat the Colts? I think they could. Could they beat the Vikings? I think it's possible. Could they beat Washington? Yeah. Can they beat Carolina? Yeah. So between weeks 6 and 10, is it possible they go 4-1, and one, let's say? I think it is. That would make them 5-4. and four. And I think I missed Carolina. That would make them 6-4. and four. Maybe they lose to Houston, 6-5. and five. Maybe lose to the Bears, 6-6. Six and six. Lose to the Packers, 6-7. and seven. Lose to the Titans, 6-8. and eight. Okay, so it's, I mean, they're going to get better. They're going to go on a big winning streak. And again, it's not a guarantee with the Packers. we got to see what the Packers are by week 14. And again, with Galladay back, we got to worry about that whole Lions play the Packers pretty tough. That whole thing. We'll see. Pass defense for the Packers has been quite a bit better. And if this is just a pass-happy team, maybe it doesn't quite work out. But again, I do think we're going to see a different Lions team with Galladay. But yeah, just going through their record... Even with, in my mind, when I adjust for, okay, they're better now, I still barely see them getting to 500. And that brings us to Chicago, which actually has had three weeks in a row of grading out pretty positively on offense. However, Lions defense is trash, Giants defense is trash, Falcons defense is trash. We'll see what they can do against the Colts. Kudos to the Bears, because my whole thought on why the Falcons would win, and I don't even remember if I picked them or not, I I may not have, but my whole thought is if the Falcons run up the score, the Bears can't keep up. In other words, even if the Falcons score 26, the Bears aren't getting to 30. Well, they did. So kudos to them on that. Uh, the, the big question is Foles, and I'm kind of torn on it because I think what a lot of people are thinking is, well, Foles is the better quarterback. Now we got to watch out because their defense is good, which it has been fairly good. As far as 2020 defenses go, grading out in the 70s is about as good as you can get. They've allowed uh, 23, 13, and 26, which again, isn't that impressive. Falcons getting 26 is relatively impressive. 13 on the Giants, 23 on the Lions without Galladay is not all that impressive. But if they have a competent offense, which is to say they have a, a running back that can run, they have a quarterback that can throw to some pretty talented wide receivers, which it seems like they may have, and then you have a pretty dominant, let's just say somewhere in the top 10 defense, it's a, it's a quality team. And if they can pull it out against the Colts and go 4-0, that's impressive. I don't necessarily think they beat the Bucks. But even then, they got the Panthers. That's another win. That puts them at 5-1. and one. Then they lose to the Rams and the Saints, 5-3. and three. Maybe they beat the Titans, 6-3. and three. Beat the Vikings, 7-3. and three. Lose to the Packers, 7-4. and four. Beat the Lions, 8-4. and four. Maybe beat the Texans, 9-4. and four. This, may be, this may be it, man. It, it's, it's, as much as I think the Bears are overinflated, when you just look at the, the schedule and what their team can do, then they got Vikings, Jaguars, and Packers again. I, I just I think this is a playoff team. Not because they're they're that much better. It's just who's gonna who are they gonna who are they gonna lose to? They're gonna lose to the Bucks, the Rams, the Saints, maybe the Titans, maybe the Texans, and then the Packers again. That'd be six losses. That's still ten and six. Um, but but anyways, my my thought on Foles is although he is probably less downside, he's also a little bit less upside. One of the scary things about Trubisky is, as bad as he is, he occasionally has these beautiful deep balls down the field. He also has more ability with his legs. And with Foles, you're, you're kind of just reining it in and saying, we're just going to kind of sit in the pocket and kind of dink and dunk, which may, maybe that's all you need. If you got a good enough defense, that makes sense. You don't need this, you know, dynamic playmaker. But you are losing that, which makes you a little less multidimensional, which is going to make it a little bit easier to key in on you. So there is that dynamic to it which I think is a big part of the reason, on top of not wanting to look dumb with the Trubisky thing, I think that is part of it. You, They really wanted 
to keep that element of their offense alive and just hope that we can take away some of the negative. But it got to the point there's just too much negative, so we're going to go with Vanilla Foles and just let him kind of just, you know, use his mind and his decent enough arm to get the ball where it needs to go. Just make the right decision at the right time, and we'll just make this thing work. If we can get far enough down the field to get a couple touchdowns and a couple field goals, our defense is good enough to hold off the rest, that'll be fine. And again, that's not a terrible strategy, but the, the, the biggest thing is going to be, I mean, the first test was getting to 30 against the Falcons and they passed that, if we're being honest. Not that the Falcons don't deserve all the criticism in the world, and the Falcons obviously have a terrible defense, but we'll see what they can do against the Colts, who are also kind of a floundering team. I, I think their roster is, is head-to-toe better than the Bears. Not, obviously, they don't have Khalil Mack, but better quarterback, better offensive line, arguably better running back. Not sure about wide receiver, probably better tight end. I don't know clearly better linebackers. The Colts should win, but if the Bears pull it out, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. And if if, if it's not just the defense shut down the Colts, we got to be worried. In other words, if the offense hangs 28 points on the Colts, it's like, oh crap. Not because the Colts are great, but it's just the Bears offense is just incapable of doing that. And if all of a sudden they're capable and they do that basically two weeks in a row, now it's like, oh shoot. Not that we didn't already know basically that this is kind of the team, or I just learned that sitting here right now. But, um, again, that is the concern. But, anyways, I, I really got to get going. I'm way over time. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>